Hello and welcome to the GT podcast. Hopefully we've learned a bit more about each other's neighbours, maybe. If we haven't, we will by the end of our time together today. Um, I'm Annabelle. Uh, I've been just a woo for being me. How wonderful. Uh, thanks. Um, I've been at GT for about nine years now, about the same time that I've been in York. I know, it creeps up on you. Um, and I'm part of the leadership team at G2 and... In my day-to-day, I work for CAP, the Christians Against Poverty. Um, We've got, like, head office in Bradford, and then I do quite a lot of now working from home as well because that's quite a long way to go every day. Um, As we've seen today, we are talking about what it means to love your neighbour, to love our neighbours. And so I thought I'd start by sharing a story that I've heard recently about some good neighbours. Um, So my parents, a couple of months ago, were at a Kaylee. If you don't know what a Kaylee is, it's kind of like a dance, it's hard to describe, where someone kind of tells you what to do and there's quite a lot of like spinning around and things like this. Um, If you haven't been to one, try it. Um, My parents did, and maybe this isn't the best recommendation because my dad doesn't usually dance that much. And on this occasion, as he was dancing, they heard like a massive bang maybe not quite that loud, and then a lot of pain, and he could no longer walk. Um, They took him home, and it didn't get any better, so Saturday night, didn't want to go to the hospital, took him the next morning to discover that he had ruptured his Achilles tendon. Um, Now, I can hear from the room that some people have done this, or might know someone who has done this. Um, It's quite like a dramatic injury in that it takes quite a while to recover from, so you can't walk for a while, he couldn't drive, um, it kind of limited what he was able to do. And this is where his neighbours came in. So my parents live in a little village, and um, there's ups and downs of that. I'd say one of the ups and downs is that people find out what's happened quite quickly. Um, And so his neighbours knew that he wasn't able to do much, and he got kind of various offers of help and support, uh, from like practical things to helping him up the stairs or uh, helping them get things and get him to places. Um, A less helpful one that wasn't very successful was one of the neighbours bought him a bell that he could ring to summon my mum. Uh, which I think quite quickly went in the field at the back of their house. Um, And a few came round to kind of chat with him and and, uh, spend some time with him because he was now stuck inside. But my favourite of these stories comes from their actual next-door neighbours and actually their daughters. So they've got two girls who are kind of three and six-ish. And they're quite chatty. They've kind of got gardens that all back onto each other. These girls are known for like shouting across gardens to their friends to summon them to come and play. And those friends include my parents, who they summon to the garden to have a little chat about what they're doing and how they're getting on. And they realise my dad couldn't come and do this for a while. So they ask their parents kind of, where, where is he? What's happened to Ian as they shout and he doesn't arrive? Um, and their parents explain that he'd hurt his foot. Um, and so they thought about this and they thought about the fact that If they couldn't go outside and play with their friends anymore, they'd be quite sad, and that he must be a bit sad and a bit bored. And so they thought about what they could do to help, and they brought around some of their toys for him to play with, which is incredibly sweet. And I'm also not sure my dad quite knew what to do when offered, like, 
a fairy princess castle and <laughs> some <laughs> games. Um, but my parents took them with the aim of kind of bringing them back the next day, making up a bit of a story about how they played with them. Um, but a couple of days later, the girls came over again with their mum, and they said their mum had talked to them and thought maybe he'd like some more grown-up things to play with. Um, so they gave back the toys, and they gave Dad, uh, I think it was a Connect Four, um, and some cards and some sweets. Um, and what I particularly enjoyed was they took my mum to one side and said, there's some games here that he can play with by himself, so you don't always have to play with him. And then there's some here that are a bit more complicated and you might need to help with. Um, but I think those girls are a great example of what it means to be a good neighbour. And being a good neighbour is something that, that comes up a surprising amount in the Bible. So it's mentioned right at the start. We kind of see it right, right the way through, almost to the very end. Um, and Jesus himself talks about it. And so I think that's quite a good place for us to start. So we'll have a quick look at what it says in Matthew, where Jesus talks about what it means to be a neighbour. Um, in context, Jesus has just been being asked some difficult questions by some of the leaders, some of the kind of uh, Jewish leaders at the time have been asking a series of questions, and this is the next one he gets asked. Uh, so we're in Matthew 22. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they, uh, that he silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with questions. Teacher. Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So for me, it feels like something worth us taking a bit of notice of. Uh, this is actually shared in three out of the four different Gospels. Um, and Jesus points it out as like one of the two things that he's hanging everything that's come before onto. If there were two things that he's picking out to summarize what the people of Israel have been taught up to this point, it's these two. To love God with everything and to love your neighbor as yourself. So... I think it's worth us kind of spending a bit of time understanding a bit more of. So what does Jesus mean when he talks about all the law and the prophets referring to this? Where does it come from? So I'm going to take us on a little quick journey around a bit of the very start of the Bible. So these things appear in uh, the first five books of the Bible. Um, so the Bible and the Jewish scriptures that are called the Torah. Um, and these come up in both of them. So the first one uh, is in Deuteronomy, and that's the bit that talks about loving God with everything. And so it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That's something that then became kind of a daily prayer for the nation and is still used as quite a uh, regular daily prayer by a lot of Jewish people today. And then the second bit that we're looking at today comes up in Leviticus. Um, context being that you've got the kind of ancient Israelite people at the time. They were a family group that grew quite big. Then they've gone and they've moved into Egypt where they were, became slaves and were kind of kept as slaves. And then um, God has rescued them out of that. And they're now 
wandering around in the desert, learning what it means to be a people. Uh, they've not quite got to the point of kind of establishing themselves yet, but this is the point where God's kind of setting out to them, what does it mean to live as a people and to live as people together? And so this is one of the things that he brings up. So in Leviticus 19, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And then a little bit later on, it says, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. I think it's sometimes easy to, for us to think that some of these things kind of came with Jesus and it was Jesus who brought them. But actually, what we saw in the passage in Matthew is that he's bringing that in as kind of the important things, the core things that are coming in from all that's gone before and from all that they've learned before. It's not a new thing. And I mean, even things Jesus say, they're not new to us anymore now, are they? We're a few thousand years in. Um, but it's not a new thing for them at the time either. But it's that culmination of everything that's come before. And as I looked at it, I noticed that it's quite practical about the things they're talking about because it's how do you live alongside the people that you live with. It's not like, think nice thoughts about them, um, but it's quite like practical in doing things and not doing things and bringing kind of justice and respect and love mixed in with that. So let's have a little look through um, some of the other bits that it says in Leviticus 19. So that's the bit that talks about loving your neighbor. There's kind of a long passage which I won't read all out of, but we can pick out a few bits of. Um, so earlier it says, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. This is quite specific for us today, isn't it? But I, I don't have fields or grapes. Sometimes I have grapes. Um, <laughs> but... But um, <laughs> but I think but it's that's what they had at their time, wasn't it? That was the the work that they did and the things that they owned and the produce and the things that they produced from their work. And it's talking about using them and using them well, but also leaving space in how you use those things for people who might not otherwise have access to them. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Treat each other well. Don't steal, but also don't kind of try and trick one another out of things that you're meant to be giving to each other. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself, for I am the Lord keep my decrees. So there's a whole set of quite like practical things that they're talking about there. And so much of it is all about how to treat the people in the community that they live in, how you use those resources, how you use what you've got to support them. But what I found quite interesting as well is that bit later in the passage where it talks about um, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you are foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And so I think so much of it, because of who they lived with, was about how they treated one another. But it's also about how they treat the people who live with them, who aren't, who aren't from their people as well. 
that that broadens it out a little bit. That it's not just the people who are just like them, but the people a bit wider than that who are living among them. Matthew 22 is right. <laughs> the people who are living among them who aren't from their people as well. But what I found most interesting is that it says, he, God gives them a reason for why to do that. So a lot of the rest of the passage is like, don't steal, don't put anyone's life in danger, don't do this. I am God, therefore do it. He's kind of not really giving them a reason. He's just like, I'm your God. This is what I'm saying. Please do it. But for this one, he says, the foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And what I find interesting there is that he brings that comparison into their own experience and what they've experienced as an extra reason why. Um, so quick hands up. Hopefully we can all put our hands up for this one. Uh, who here has ever needed help? Okay, good. Um, who here has wanted to be treated in this kind of way, like a don't steal from me, don't put my life in danger, all those sort of things. Anyone else? Yeah, okay, good. I'm glad you're with me. <laughs> Who here has been in a country where they're the foreigner or not, maybe not fully sure of how things work or the language? Still quite a lot of us. Um, so for me, when I was 18, I moved to Bolivia for a year. And there was so much that I needed help with to navigate. I was, had people there locally who knew what ha happened and how things work uh, and had people who helped me out a lot. Um, but it's the little things that I found at the time, like, how do I go and do my grocery shopping? Because here I know, like, I know the different supermarkets. Actually, <laughs> my husband's not from England originally, and one of the first things I taught him when he moved here was the hierarchy of supermarkets. <laughs> That's a controversial question, so we can come back to that another time. Um, but for going to the like simple things like buying like groceries there was, okay, where do I go? There's like a corner shop here, but it doesn't sell, sell very much. There's a big supermarket over here, but that's really expensive. The actual best place to go is like a covered indoor market. But first things first, like, how do I get there? I could take a taxi, but that's more money again. And then I've got to... Uh, explain to them where I'm trying to go in Spanish, and I've got to barter the price with them in Spanish. Um, or I can get the bus if someone can show me where the bus is and I can work out where to get off. And then when you get there, it's a bartering system again. So I've got to know what I want, and I've got to know how to ask for it, and I've got to know what price should I be paying because they're going to take one look at me and hike that price right up here. Uh, and learning, okay, so what's the price I'm meant to be paying and how can I try and close that gap? Lots of things about living somewhere where I wasn't where I was from originally that meant I needed a bit of help from some people to navigate. How do I do this? How do I talk? What am I meant to be paying? All that to say, we've all needed help at some points, right? And I think when we look at this, we can come sometimes quickly put ourselves in the position of the helper. When we talk about loving your neighbor, we can put ourselves in straight in the position of the person who's offering help and offering support, and that's good, and that's what we're going to spend most of our time today talking about. But I just wanted to pause for a moment and help also remind us about us being the people who also need help and need support. And I think 
that's like important for a number of reasons. I think if we're only ever the person that's trying to help or trying to offer support, that just leads really quickly to being burnt out. Um, we need to recognize that we can't do everything ourselves and that other people support us and we support other people. And it's cyclical. It talks about loving your neighbor as yourself. So you've got to show some love to yourself. But you've also, you know, that's a cycle of you show love and they show love back and it, it works together. Um, but there's also something in being really open and not putting ourselves always in the role of the helper and forgetting our need for help because that puts us on a bit of a pedestal, like we're here to help and other people aren't. And actually, you know, if we want to love people as our neighbor and on an equal footing, then we need to be open about where we need support and we need help. And that also gives other people dignity to bring something to the table as well. And if you share where you have needs, that opens up permission for other people to do that as well. So, but above all of that, um, the bit where uh, in Leviticus where it says, do this because you were also uh, enslaved, you were also captive, you also know what it's like when someone doesn't treat you as your neighbor. Um, reminds me as well of um, 1 John 4:19 that we love because he first loved us that we love other people because Jesus loved us first and that we do all of this out of place of being rescued by him and loved by him. So I'm just going to give us a moment, probably like 30 seconds, just to pause and reflect um, and just to sit where we are and just have a quick think and a pray. There might be that there's something that you've got in your mind that's a real need for you at the, at the moment and I encourage you just to offer that to God it might be that you want to thank him for where he's met a need before um, and for the fact that he has met our needs. But um, yeah, I'm just going to give us uh, 30 seconds, just a bit of a time to reflect and to pray, um, recognizing, I guess, where we need help as well. Jesus, we thank you that we show love because you have loved us first, that you see us, that you know us, and we give you the things where we feel like we have need, where we have a need for help and a need to bring things to you. And God, we thank you for where you've met those needs before and pray that you'll come and meet us once again. Amen. So as we think about how we love our neighbor, one of the questions we've been asking is, who is our neighbor? Thankfully, someone in the Bible literally asked Jesus this. So that's what we're going to look at next. So in Luke 10, um, as a follow-up question to Jesus saying, this is one of the greatest commandments, um, Jesus gets asked, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus, as Jesus often does, replies, not with an not with a straight answer, but with a story. And it's a story we probably, some of us will recognize. 
A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So there's a lot we could unpack here. We've actually looked at this passage quite recently in small groups. Um, ben unpacked it with us in his uh, session on uh, societal failure. So go back and watch that if you haven't seen it already. Um, but there's a couple of key points I wanted to pick up. Um, so we can see in the story that there's uh, a priest and a Levite who come by first and who don't go and help uh, the man who's in need on the side of the road. Um, and I think we know, like, to those listening, this would probably be a bit of a shock. It's the, it's the religious leaders. It's the people they might expect to go and help. Um, and what I found interesting is I looked as it's probably the, the people listening might have expected a twist from Jesus. They might have expected um, something expected. But what they were probably expecting him to say is, it wasn't, another, it wasn't a religious man. It was just your average man, uh, but one of them. <laughs> This is what happened when I Googled, like, stocking image of a man. Um, <laughs> um, so, I, in, they would have, but they would have expected it to be one of them. They would have expected it to still be one of them, a Jewish person. And what they won't have been expecting Jesus to say is that, actually, this is a Samaritan. It's someone who isn't from your group, uh, someone who isn't like you. Um, they wouldn't have been, the Samaritans and the Jews are actually, you know, got some real similarities, but a history um, of not getting on and of kind of tension between the two groups. And so they would have found this quite hard to hear from Jesus. Um, and I think that's a really interesting point that he's kind of brought them up to this point and saying, like, this is a summary of all that's come before. This is what you've seen in your scriptures. And then here's the add-on that maybe your neighbor also includes the people you come across that don't, like, don't look like you and you might not even like. I think it must be quite interesting listening to this story. We tend to look for someone to identify with, don't we? And if they were listening, for us now, it's easy to say, oh, we'd identify with the Samaritan, the man who helped. That's who we want to be. Um, but for them at the time, they would have looked and gone, well, there's the Jewish leaders, but they didn't do anything. I don't want to be like them. And then the man who did some did help is someone who represents a group I don't like and I don't want to be a part of, and where do I sit? Um, and so it's interesting that Jesus then asks, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. He didn't even actually identify who. <laughs> He's just like the, the kind one, the good one. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. So in this story, Jesus expands our neighbor beyond just the people we live kind of immediately next to, immediately in community with, and expands it to the other people that you come across, even if they're not from your usual community. And I think this echoes some of what he says in Matthew 5, um, where he says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly father is perfect. Easy challenge. So yeah, Jesus here is expanding on the law. He's kind of, he's bringing in what they already know and then opening it up a little bit further than they might have expected. And and I think that's really helpful. It's a helpful reminder for us to go, okay, we are called to love the people around us. We're called to love the people who we live alongside, who are part of our community, or who we might impact by the way we're living. And we're also called to love those who aren't like us, who come from groups that we don't normally interact with, we're not normally around, but that when we come across them and there's need there, that's who we're called to to support and to love too, even those who we would call enemies. Again, not because we're so good, but because we're children of a good God who loved us even when we didn't deserve it. But I think what's interesting here is that this means that when we think about loving our neighbor, this can suddenly become like everyone on the planet. This can expand into like such a big group of people that it's hard to pin down where to start. And that's good. Like I think more than ever now, how we live our lives impacts more and more people. Um, for, the, for, for the people in Leviticus, when God says, think about how you use your resources and how that impacts other people, that was so that people could come and pick the grain from the edge of their fields and the leftover grapes. For me now, I'm like, oh, loving my neighbor might mean that I think about when I buy some clothes, who made them and how were they made and how did they get here? Does that look like what it means to love my neighbor? But I think, and I think those are really important. I think as we think about how we love our neighbor, that can look like those big things. That can look like how we pray for bigger things. It can look like how we pray for the persecuted church who are our neighbors. It can look like all of these things. And then I think sometimes we forget that it can also mean the person next door. Because I don't know about all of you, but I think I'm actually sometimes better at loving this person over here than I am the person who literally shares the other wall of my house. Um, And so that's what I'd like us to spend a bit of time thinking about today in groups. What if loving your neighbor meant loving your actual neighbor? It's more than that, but it's not less than that. What does it look like to love the people that we live in community with and the people immediately around us? And how do we do that and where do we start? We're going to have some time kind of in groups to have a bit of a chat about this. But what I don't want today to feel like is like a bit of a guilt trip or like that you must now go and set up, you know, multiple community projects. And it can be that I don't know the pe- the five closest people living around me and maybe I should try and find out their names. Like that's, if that's where I'm at and I don't know all of them, so that will be something for me. I know some of them. Um, that, like, that can be a good start of going, do you actually know the people that you live to the left or the right? Or if you're in a flat, like up and down, do you know them? Um, if you do know them, how much do you know about them? Do you know, like, could you say five things about them and who they are? Um, it might be that you do and then it's working out how you grow in that on what other ways that if once we know them because that's a good start what does it mean to love them 
What does it mean to build community? Where, what does it look like to invite them along to things? Um, what does it mean to invite them into your house? Because um, I think one thing that we can struggle with is it's hard to love someone if, and meet, help meet needs if you don't know enough about them to know where to start. Um, so that might be one thing that we can look at. It might be that we think about the community immediately where we live and what's going on there already. It might be that we think about the community groups that are running or the events that are happening or the things that are going on and how we could get involved with those and join in with those and support those. And it might be that we think about how we can better pray for the communities that we're in as well, how we know enough about what's happening to pray meaningfully for the people that we live alongside. So I'll give us some more examples in a minute, but first... Let's get up and moving. Um, so we're going to sit for the next bit. We're going to sit in groups loosely associated with where we live. Um, I'm aware that some you will have some concentrations in some areas that are bigger than others, and some they'll be a bit smaller, so we might need to do a bit of a shuffle around. Um, but there are, there are places on tables, so I'm going to get people to give us a wave uh, as we go. So the table with the outer villages of York and Leeds. That's down here at the front. Um, Rawcliffe and Clifton. That's over there. Uh, Osbaldwick and Tanghall. Woo! <laughs> Good representation. Uh, City Centre and Hull Road. Great. Heworth. Excellent. Uh, and then the classic combination of Middlethorpe, Huntington, Fulford and Acom. <laughs> Um, so what I'm going to ask us to start by doing is if you could gather on the table that is closely closest associated with where you live. Brilliant. So what we've got now, we've, we've got some time. If you're in a bigger group, you might want to break down into smaller groupings so you can probably best work out between you uh, if you want to do that by who actually lives closest within those groups or how you want to do that. Um, but some of the bigger groups probably break down a little bit. Um, and then I'd love for us to just have a bit of a chat and a think about how do we love our neighbours? Um, so as I said, I want this to be possible. Like I, this isn't about setting an impossible challenge. Um, I also want this to be a stretch. Like I want this to be something that you're like, oh, I haven't done this before. Or like I've kind of thought about doing this, but then chickened out a little bit. Like I think it's good for us to stretch, but that stretch needs to be something that you are actually going to be able to do. Um, so think about those two things. What's going to push you a little bit further than you've been before, but is still within the realm of what is possible. Um, and so you, we've got, I've got some questions to, for you to chat about that might help guide you. But the key thing is, how do we love our neighbours? Um, and how can we build on that? So there might be, there'll be some of you who have got great ideas and do this already. Like, please share, like take a lead. What are you doing? Where are you involved already? Um, there'll be some of us who are feeling like this feels like the start of something and we might need to learn and listen. Um, but I think there's some real opportunities of going, okay, what are we seeing? that helps already. Um, what is someone else doing that I might be able to join in with? Has someone got a good idea that I could steal um, or help with? Um, so the questions are, uh, as we think, and as I ruin the map, um, as we think about how we love our neighbors, um, how do you know your neighbors? And if not, how could you get to know them or how could you get to know them better? Um, how can you join in with what's already happening in your community? Are there kind of community events that are happening, things that are going on that you could go along to, that you could join in with? Um, and 
how can you pray for your local community? What do you need to know more to be able to do that? Uh, so this might be what you're already doing, might be things to build on. Um, it could be as simple as this year I'm going to write a Christmas card to all of my neighbours and send it round. But it might be that I'm also going to go and like knock on their door and deliver it to them and maybe give them some chocolate. Or it might be like, oh, I already know my neighbours, so I'm going to invite them round for some mulled wine and mince pies. Um, or it might be that I'm terrified of doing that, but actually Hannah's going to do that. Uh, I'm not saying you are. <laughs> but I can go too and meet some more people because she's doing that and then I can join in. Um, so it's building on things like that. Are there community groups of people already involved with? Are there people that you know from the school gates? Um, all of those things. Where are we already? What are the opportunities? And how can we kind of nudge ourselves to do a little bit more that helps us to show love? Does that mean that we invite some people to come and make bees and hampers with us next Sunday? Or invite people to be able to give in? Does it look like, I think we're going to hear a bit later, but um, that we think about doing some kind of stuff with bees and uh, like one of the small groups did recently and could that be trying to find somewhere local to us there's all sorts of different things you guys will have great ideas so get chatting I'll come up in a minute and give us a chance to pray um, but share your ideas and do break down into smaller groups if you need to brilliant um, we're going to pause conversations here uh, and I'm going to pray for us as we then go into uh, some worship again. Uh, but hopefully you've started some interesting conversations, um, maybe a mixture of how well you do get on with your neighbours, um, but also hopefully some ideas about uh, what kind of loving your neighbours in action can look like. So um, I'll pray. Jesus, we thank you that you invite us to uh, love the people that we live around and live amongst, that you invite us to love our neighbours, um, where that's in the big sense and where that's in the small. And so, um, yeah, God, we pray that we all know how loved we are by you, that we will love one another well and that we will be able to share that love with the people that we live in community with. Um, will you help us to do this from a place of knowing that we're loved and wanting to share that wider, not doing it because we feel guilty or like we have to, but actually because it's an opportunity to join in with what you're doing in the places where we live. Amen. Oh, Would you stand and let's sing?